Yo, yo, it's your boy, Nafis in the mix. We got Charlie, who likes WordPress, but fuck Wix. And a big shout out to our biggest fans, Sophie and Updix. Wow, that actually all rhymes. I did not expect a rhyme here. Uh, you know, I kind of just pulled that out right now for no reason. Calling out fans, calling out my favorite CMS platforms and not so much so much favorite CMS platforms. Solid intro in office. But you know what you are forgetting? The fact that we're missing Gary on the podcast today. We're Gary free since episode three. How about that rhyme? You know, uh, I don't even want to think about it. It's making me say it. No, so we, we just had some scheduling conflicts there with Gary, but welcome back to Not To Be Technical. I miss this, you, baby. Yeah, Gary will be back. Episode four, we're in the mix, as Noff has said. Uh, we got some topics for you, some of the latest things happening from this past week. We're going to go a little bit into Venmo. There's some changes coming there. There's a couple new things with Instagram. We'll get into actually some follow-ups from our previous episodes too. A little bit more information requested, provided, all that good stuff. Vanoffice, what is going on, my man? What's been up lately? What you've been getting into? You know, one, it's rough not having Gary on the podcast today, especially with the scheduling issues. We had to push things off a day. And then additionally, honestly, I, I almost wanted to, you know, push this off today too. I just kind of didn't feel like I was in the right headspace. There's something that's calm? been keeping me going. I mean, what? I know you like calm more than headspace. Oh, damn, that's good. Um, shut up. Um, <laughs> I had a point. <laughs> so, Get to your point, then. <laughs> there's been something that's been keeping me going through the day. It's been uh, it's a recording from an anonymous listener, and I just keep replaying it anytime I feel a little sad. And here, I'm going to play it for you all. Oh, wow. I did not expect this. Nafis, somebody told me you love words of affirmation, baby. You're doing so good, Daddy. You're doing so good. You, you guys sound great on the podcast, Daddy. And I'm I'm really I'm really quite pleased. You guys are making me laugh right now, and I just started listening. So really, really good. In office rhymes with office, which is actually before I even spoke to you one time is how Charlie. Um, mentioned you to me so you must have heard it a thousand times what the hell charlie if you're gonna talk shit you can't use it you can't use my rhyme yeah i i use it when i talk about you before someone meets you as well so uh for anyone who didn't listen to our last episode that was our anonymous listener who does not mind their voice memos being played on the show but does mind their name being shared uh the anonymous listener will come up again uh, as well as, you know, how Nafis likes to introduce himself or nicknames for himself. Uh, two Beer Nof is one he claims people uses. Uh, but really all it is is Nafis rhymes with office. But yeah, Nafis, I'm glad that you got those words of affirmation. I know that is your love language. I'm sure we're going to have to have in a future episode where you really dive deep into our love languages. Ready but to I'm, dive deep. But I'm glad that that got you through the day. What's going on with you, my man? Man, it has been busy lately. We have been, you know, we launched the podcast where we got social things going on. Uh, we had a, a little company party this past weekend, uh, you know, a little yacht party to celebrate a, a record-breaking sales month. You know, the company's killing it, the office and I work at. We had a lot of fun. Uh, I might have got a little too sauced up on that boat there, office. You were there the whole time. I'm sure you can um, attest to it. It was a... Uh, there's no might. You 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 definitely got a little too sauced up. Thankfully, it was at probably the right time. 
where we're all getting ready to leave and move on. But definitely there was a, like I could even track it to the point where I was like, yeah, he's probably blackout right about here. Yeah. So let's just say like, you know, there, there was quite a few double digits, probably in terms of white claws, seltzers or beers, what have you. People at the company were shotgunning such things. Yeah. We were having a lot of fun there. There was a lot of celebrating, nothing you know, bad or injury wise, nothing happened. We all had a great time. But yeah, there was definitely a point. I think we all took a group photo on one of the boats. And I don't remember much after that. And from what I've heard from Nafis, uh, he wishes he didn't remember much of it either. But he does remember. Oh, most definitely. So, you know, I would say as far as you being a drunk, Charlie, you know, you're not a bad drunk to be around. You know, you're you're super affectionate. One thing that I feel like what ends up, I feel like you're almost, yeah, you're an affectionate drunk. You get almost very amped up and you're more animated than normal and you talk a lot. And I feel yeah. like that's surprising for me to say that you end up talking like 10 times more than you normally do. And, and the funny thing to me is like, no one could respond to you and you'll keep talking to them. Like, <laughs> and this is particularly in the Uber. No one's talking to you the whole time and you're just going off left oh, and right man. about this and that. That was quite literally the longest Uber ride of my life, uh, as well as our Uber driver, Ender, um, <laughs> who had no idea what he was getting himself into. Oh, God. What, what did I say to Ender? I, I mean, I literally don't remember what I, anything I said in this Uber. So, you know, you were very friendly when you got into the car. Um, you know, Ender was, you know, having some small talk. You know, you kind of first start off being like, yo, do we need masks? I don't even have a mask. I don't know where to find one. He was like, bro, it's cool. Just come in and it's fine. And, you know, he was very polite there and we just kind of got in. Um, then, you know, you were trying to have a conversation with him and he mentions, you know, he's not, you know, he, he, he tries to, you know, articulate he doesn't have the best English and that he speaks, you know, primarily Spanish. So in that instance... <laughs> Oh God! What did I do? <laughs> you don't start speaking Spanish to him. You just start just referencing Spanish food. So you're just like, oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You 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 know cachapas. You like cachapas, oh, no. right? And arepas, cachapas, and he's just like, yeah, yeah, cachapas. And you're like, and you just for whatever reason you go on about this for enough time where he's like, oh no, what have I got myself into? And immediately pulls out the aux cable hands it over to you and that's where it transitions you're like oh yeah i can play spotify you're like oh man ender i got a banger for you and then you immediately play dua lipa levitating oh, uh, which no. is definitely our jam uh, as of now uh but the thing is there that was extra funny is um for our audience listeners um there's a part in that song or a few parts where like there's kind of a clap and charlie oh, hand clap the hand clap. Charlie Sober is spot on with the hand clap every time. Like, I don't know how he does it. And this is not just with this song, but every song. But with this time, Charlie was off beat by like three seconds with the hand clap every time. And it was just like, he'd clap and be like, wait. And then you try to hit it again. And then you just miss time every time. Well, you know what? I, I do love Arepas, Cachapas, and Hand Clapas. I really do. But you know what? I, I think Ender probably hated it. I also will say, Nafis, thank you, because I think you shared probably the most tame topics that I brought up during that time period. And I, I oh, appreciate you, you not sure revealing you more on the podcast. To, um, you sure? You don't want me to mention your... Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Let's... Let's not mention that. Let's not All right, mention we're cutting anything. that out. I just had to say it. It's just hilarious. 
Um, yeah, we're definitely not mentioning anything else. Uh, from what you've told me, it is not appropriate for anyone to be hearing. But you know what? We had a great time. It was a great celebration. Um, and you know what? You said something there that I, I looked it up as you were talking. You said I'm a very affectionate drunk. And I typed in like a guide to like the types of drunk people there are. And this thing says that there's seven types of drunks or, or how people are when they're drunk. And it says the happy drunk, the angry drunk, the affectionate drunk, which you called me already, uh, the sloppy drunk, reckless drunk, secret drunk, and the blackout drunk. So there's a lot of different mm. types of drunks there. I feel like somehow I touched on all seven of them on Sunday. Uh, I don't know. Uh, not like, the, definitely not the angry one. I would say you're not an fair, angry fair. drunk. And, I, and I would say I've only seen you – I've seen you become more aggressive, but not yeah. angry. Like you're you're doing something out of spite to someone. But angry is a strong Ooh. word. Um, uh, well, aggressive isn't a good, is a pretty strong word too. But you know what? Let's move on from this. You know, I got a little sloppy. It's fine. You know. Hopefully, I said well, some funny things to people. If anyone's listening that heard some bad things, what, I'm sorry. What kind of drunk am I? I would say. That's tough. I think you you actually, I think, are the opposite. Like, once you drink enough, you'll get a little bit more quiet and start thinking sometimes. So I, I really? would call it a little sometimes. Other times, it depends, I think, on the environment you're in. You get a little bit more happy. I mean, you always are, like, generally happy and dancing and stuff. Like, you're, you're always ready to vibe, <laughs> you know, right? So I think that goes up a little bit. You're not reckless. You're not angry. I, but the secret drunk, which was one of those seven times, I could see you being the secret drunk where you're undercover, just like, you know what? I'm vibing right now, but I'm good. You know, leave me alone, baby. I'm just going to be in the corner. <laughs> Something about that thing. seems funny. I don't know what that yeah. is. It's like, I don't know if you've ever, this reminds me of like a college thing of like trying to like be a klepto when you're drunk. Um what? And it'd be like, steal, uh, I don't oh, know, like you know what? I alcohol from a that. party that you like, I don't know, should be taking, or it's not even a big deal, like something dumb. And then you realize the next morning, like, why did we even do that? Why did we think it was so funny at that time when we were drunk? Yeah, it's, it's definitely not like just a couple weeks ago, we um, coordinated taking a guacamole oh. bowl from a Mexican restaurant um, into in a no takeout box. No names will be named, but um, we definitely coordinated that and we got away with it. And if anyone's listening, it was a very nice guac bowl and we will not be giving yeah. it back to whoever. It's, uh, but anyways, um, you know, we don't want to get into any more incriminating things. Uh, but you know what happened this past week in office? When I mentioned it to you, I was like, why is this trending? Who cares about McAfee antivirus? Like I, like I saw like just McAfee was trending on twitter right and i was like why the hell are people talking about this and you informed me that it was actually a very interesting story behind it that the founder had died what do you like i don't i literally don't know anything about this like like what what makes this interesting like when it comes to this mcafee story you know charlie that's a good question uh i mean before i continue uh r.i.p my man r.i.p um, r.i.p mr mcafee so so one, I'm not even sure if we're pronouncing the name right, so we're gonna have to Google that. Um, and two, I I might have been you know speaking out of my ass there. I would say I know a little bit about the background story. Um, you know, I know that he died in prison um, he, while he was waiting to be extradited to the U.S. for you know tax evasion. But there's all these conspiracy theories around it too, especially since he died in prison. There's like ties to you know Jeffrey Epstein for whatever reason. And oh, like McAfee didn't kill himself, like that type of thing? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Like there's more to it. Um, and then okay. additionally, you know, I, I this has definitely been a while ago. I don't know if it was like a, an 
an article that I read or a video that I watched, but it was just more about who he is as a person and that he lived an interesting life, but he's also crazy as hell. I would say on that news, more to come next week after we do some research. Oh, very good, Dofus. I'm glad I brought this up immediately on the podcast. Uh, you know, and like you said, RIP to, to Mr. McAfee here. Uh, but you know what? At least he's not going to get those annoying pop-ups from McAfee to renew his security every month. Oh anymore, my god! You know? Honestly, that kind of stuff gets me so annoyed. The bloatware stuff, like especially oh, like god. if you try to download. Um, I did this recently. Like if you go to download Adobe Reader, yeah. um, in the past, like during the install features, there would be like the standard checkboxes where you know if you actually read what's being installed, you, you have you should always kind of like check which ones that you know what things that you want installed. Mac, if he would typically be in like sort of the install portion. Now, mm -hmm. what's interesting on Adobe's website is that it's currently as a checkbox to download like the execution file to actually install. So that okay. way it's bundled beforehand. So if you're just going to the website, clicking the download button really quickly, you're not even realizing you're downloading the software yeah. because it's a part of Adobe and it's already just kind of runs and does its thing. Like, yeah, so, so what you're mentioning, so if anyone like is installing a program, like they download online, a lot of times you'll see an option where it's like fast, easy install or customize install. And if you go to customize, which is probably what Novice and I always do, or advanced install, a lot of times you'll see check marks that whatever you're installing is trying to get an extra program in there. Maybe it's McAfee, maybe it's some other thing, some bloatware, something you don't want on your computer. Uh, so yeah, McAfee was definitely one of the culprits of that. Honestly, those annoying pop-ups, yeah. is that what put him in jail? I mean, I literally don't know anything about this dude, but like, I wouldn't be surprised if he's in jail because he's just, it, whatever, you know, RIP, man, you know, we, we wish you yeah. the best, whatever, whatever. I mean, honestly, life, now you know, that you said I, that, I, um, I just even got more frustrated just thinking about it. Just like, there's definitely listeners who do not go through that, the advanced part. And yeah. what's frustrating to me is that, they get bloatware installed on their computer. And it's not just that it's bloatware, you have something taking up space on your computer. But a lot of the times, these applications like install themselves to start on startup. Oh, um, yeah. So it, it's, you know, when you have a fresh computer, it's not a big deal. But as you continue to download things, and a lot of a lot of applications do this, they kind of set themselves to start on startup. Meaning when you turn your computer on, the application is going to start up. And the problem with that is if you start having a lot of applications start up and you don't have, you know, the greatest computer, guess what? It's going to start slowing down. And whenever you turn your computer on, it's going to be a pain in the ass and you're going to be less likely to want to restart or shut it down. Uh, but that's the end of my rant. Yeah, you're absolutely right there. Uh, that is something I think a lot of people don't realize is happening during that process. And something that might be helpful too for anyone listening on a Windows computer because I don't think this affects Mac as much. I think they kind of protect like yeah. the startup process quite a bit. But if you go to the start menu, you go to settings, then you go to apps. You can actually find startup there. Or you could use, you know, search in Windows and search for startup. There's actually a very nice menu that shows you everything that starts when your computer powers on. And you can check like what you want to launch and not launch. So maybe you want Spotify to launch. Maybe there's something you don't want to launch that's always launching. So you can actually fix that pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. But when it comes to like something like antivirus, like McAfee or something like that's usually a little bit more complicated because it's so integrated into the computer that, you know, it's like a, like a security fault. Like if you were to just take it off there, but you know what I, I'd say, 
I think we get a good job there of memorializing John Mac, whatever McAfee, you know, McAfee, R. whatever. And, you know, this is uh, we'll get more to him. You know, you know, it's we'll we'll do some research. Maybe we won't. Maybe we'll never talk about it again. But you know, all yeah, right, come on, keep deflecting, keep move on, move on. Yeah, let's move on quickly. Yeah. So you know what else? John McAfee probably wasn't using uh, was was Instagram, but Instagram users are using Instagram, and there's new updates. How smooth was that transition? Oh, let's go. See, it was so smooth. I think it's one of the smoothest, but you know what else? You know what's not smooth right now? If you're not like one of these approved Instagram, like content creators that can do the swipe up and like, you know, have a link to something, it is hard as hell to share a link with your people. That's why everyone's like link in bio. Like, oh, I just got like whatever, a new video, link in bio, new podcast, link in bio, right? So what Instagram is testing and what I think will likely be pushed out to everyone once this testing is done in like specific areas is they're going to have it. So on your story, just how you can tag a location or you can tag like a user, like those little stickers you can put on your stories, they're testing a link sticker. So you can actually put a link in there and that link will open up to, of course, whatever URL you put in there. So I think that's something that's huge, especially for businesses uh, you know, our own podcast page, for example, could use this to share out links to maybe things we're referencing on uh, on the episode or to our new episode, like links to listen, whatever it may be. I hope that gets launched out to everyone. Uh, I don't know how the controlled test is working, who gets it, who doesn't. But that is something that's been a struggler for content creators, you know, advertisers, et cetera. So that should be pretty cool. What links do you like think you're sharing office? Oh, so many links. I mean, so the first thing is I've been uh, on my phone trying to see if I can find out if uh, John McAfee has an Instagram. And so far, it it doesn't seem to be the case. I found a drip underscore McAfee. Um, that doesn't seem to be him. Does he have mad drip, though? Oh, so much drip. So much <laughs> drip. Dr. Drip over here. All right. Well, I guess good job of deflecting from John McAfee <laughs> once again. Uh you know, but another thing that John McAfee unfortunately won't be able to do anymore is order Starbucks. And what Starbucks is doing now, I know that was an even smoother transition. Uh, Starbucks is actually testing being able to order directly through Facebook and Instagram. To me, that's pretty useless. <laughs> I don't like why yeah, would I need hell? to do that? Like they got they got the app already. You know, you can, that's on some like ADD shit. Like they're really trying yeah. to get people who are on Instagram. They're like, damn, here's an ad for coffee. You're like, man, I really want a coffee right now. Shit. Yeah. I'm like Order too coffee. lazy to open up like my app and get my points and do this and that. I mean, yeah. So, you know, I think I'm that's definitely a little bit more excited about the, the link post. Um, I think John McAfee would also be more excited for that if you were still with us. Uh, but but yeah. I, yeah. R.I.P. But uh, but yeah, that those are the stories Instagram has got going on lately. I mean, I, I you know, there's there's been a lot of updates there. They're testing like putting comments publicly in stories as well, which I think is kind of weird. I kind of like the element where you know you post a story, like you know, my friends DM me dumb stuff about the story, or like I like, but what yeah. they're testing through like Facebook stories and eventually Instagram stories is public comments like that you can that everyone can see what you're writing but is it curated is it almost like a pinned comment like like how there's like like comments on like an actual post you can pin them at the top or i i didn't it almost looked like almost like a regular post where they're testing on facebook first where like all the comments would just be dangerous it does seem like they're playing a dangerous game there. So we'll have to see what happens there if it gets pushed out to Instagram. But that's what they like to do. They like testing all these things in like control groups or like various countries 
or they actually just test it on Facebook first in the case of stories because stories aren't as popular there compared to Instagram. Yeah. Then they see how that works. Maybe they'll do a control group for Instagram. But I really hope the link one comes soon because just with like my own like work and marketing and stuff like that would be huge if I could use those without the swipe up eligibility, which is a little tougher to get. Like it, it's not super easy. Cool. Similar to my earlier rant on, you know, apps, you know, starting on startup, I've got another thing that I, I don't want to say frustrates me, but I, I'm I'm still sort of surprised um, that isn't used as much. And, and it's something super simple. It's on like every computer, whether you're on Mac, Windows, um, and it's shortcuts. And when I mean shortcuts, it's like using keyboard commands. So uh, there's one that I know all the all the boys in the in the room know is uh, Control Shift N, Command Shift N. When you're in Chrome, we already know what you're doing. You're opening incognito. You don't need to lie to me. So you know what's funny, Dov, is that's one that I teach people a lot, especially in marketing, because a lot of times when you need to test a website or something, like you need to open like a fresh instance. And so what an incognito window is, if you're not aware, is on a Chrome browser. And there's other variations for like, you know, Edge or Safari or whatever, private windows. Control Shift N when you're on Chrome will open up a new incognito window. And that doesn't track or save your history as you're web browsing. Uh, so what Nafis is saying is if you're looking at certain types of maybe adult websites or, you know, pay-per-view websites as Nafis, you know, likes to look at, um, as discussed on episode one, then you would you would see a good use case there. So a lot of times when I teach people this for a very wholesome reason, I could see light bulbs going in their heads, especially older gentlemen I'm teaching, like whether it's like colleagues or, or something like that, you know, they're like, oh, what is incognito? Oh, oh, you could do that. Oh, there's a little shortcut for it. So I, I think it. I think once people realize what it is, it becomes part of their repertoire. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely laughing at the old the comment of older gentlemen. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a little too specific. So maybe just anyone that's not tech savvy, you know. Um, I would say you you definitely flamed me for that when I was like you know testing landing pages, and you're like, dude, don't be like, don't like, get an incognito, and I was like, oh shit, my bad. My bad, I just started marketing. Yeah. There's a lot of benefits that aren't creepy or weird or anything like that. It's just like, yeah. it's like a fresh instance of a web. If you're like having trouble loading something on a website, like a lot of times you open up an incognito window, go again, re-log in, like your problem solved. Yeah. I mean, so aside from that, you know, uh, you know that specific example, uh, when it comes to keyboard shortcuts, like my advice would be here is if you're using any sort of professional grade software, um, there there's going to be a ton of shortcuts. So I'm going to think about simply like Outlook. A lot of people use that desktop app. Um, there is a mobile version or like a web version of it, but I actually don't use that because you can't use shortcuts as well. So simple one, if you click control N, you open a new message. If you are, you know, in your inbox and you click control R, it's going to reply. If you click control shift R, it's going to reply all. Uh, while you're typing the message, if you click control enter, it'll send it automatically. So without you having to move your mouse around. So um, I guess the point of what I'm trying to make is shortcuts are super powerful. Um, and, you know, time matters to everyone. And if you take some time to actually learn some of these shortcuts, 
what you'll be doing is you're shaving off time, especially in the applications that you use the most, whether it's Chrome, whether it's Outlook, it could be Excel, could be Photoshop, but all of these things have really quick shortcuts that um, make a difference. And, you know, I think people would shave a lot of time off and be a lot more efficient if they just kind of took a, you know, a few minutes just to start learning some of these. And a lot of times, more often than not, like there's probably things that you're wishing, like, man, I wish there's a faster way of doing this. And then you can Google it and it's there. Yeah. The last thing I have on this is like on Windows, uh, in comparison to Mac, like Mac, you can rename files super easy. I think you click spacebar or something. Uh, maybe that's a zoom in. I forget what it is exactly. But on Windows, it's F2. Instead of having to right click and rename a file, if you click F2, it immediately like has you start renaming it. And that one I think is super clutch and very few people know about. I definitely taught you that one. I feel like. No, I taught you that one, motherfucker. No, I definitely taught you that. I was from my last yeah. job, dude. And I taught it to you when I joined this job. And then you started oh, no, teaching everyone. Not. Into... Oh, whatever, definitely man. Not. I, but you know what? I should have taught you because Go we just found out. Whatever, man. But you know what? What I, what Novice said recently, and he said this just randomly. Like, <laughs> So there was like a on Microsoft Teams at work with my boss and I. We had like a um, – like it, it, just in our group chat. Uh, I know this he one. just goes – he goes, you know what? Like, I just realized something. Like, I should have known this sooner. And, like, it, it, he's just talking to himself. Like, there, there's no conversation here. He goes. Yeah, it is me just talking to myself. Yeah, it was just you. It was, it was, like, very random. He's like, I just realized that the delete key, like, is so helpful. It makes things more efficient. Like, I can't believe I used to only use backspace. Now, this is not a shortcut. This is a, a standard key on the keyboard. You all probably know this. But backspace, you know, let's say you're typing anything on your computer, you would oh, backspace man, so and from right to left, it starts deleting, you know, whatever. You're going back. You're going back a single space. Very direct. The delete key, obviously, its main function is to delete, but also it starts deleting what's in front. So kind of like from left to right, right? Like, so whatever's to the right of the cursor or wherever you are uh, in your typing, it'll be deleted. Novice... Uh, this stage of his career, quite experienced, you know, what I, high up there in the ranks of the IT world, just realize how helpful that delete key can be when typing. I've been using this for maybe the last three months, and it has been a game changer for me. Yeah, good work figuring that one out. I still believe I taught you F2. But what I would say, Nafis, uh, that I, I want to say is you're right. You should... If you have a program that you use every day, if it's Excel, if it's Google Chrome, if it's Outlook, what, whatever you use for communication and work, you really should take the time to just Google keyboard shortcuts for whatever that program is. It will make your oh, life well, easier. You will learn them. Uh, Nafis is cutting me off. What do you want to say? Well, whenever Instagram figures out these sticker links, we'll uh, throw a link in there with our uh, you know guides to shortcuts. We got you. Very fam. good. Yeah, we got you, fam. Whenever that comes out, it might be like five months from now. And then you'll just be like, oh, finally, like I've been waiting for this, you know. No big deal. No big deal, but it'll make perfect sense. Uh, but what I think you'll find, especially if you start to do this, and, and I could do a better job of this. I'm still learning shortcuts all the time myself, but you'll see similarities between programs and then you'll intuitively start doing it. So Nafis mentioned on Outlook, Control N uh, makes a new message on Outlook. If you hit Control N while you're on Google Chrome, it opens up a new window. If you hit Control N on you know a bunch of other things, you're going to have a new version of whatever a very normal feature is. 
So yep. it, once you start learning these things, you're just going to be a little bit more faster with everything you're doing. You'll get more efficient. Yes. And things will start to click better. And you'll get you'll you'll make better sense of how the functionality works. Really good point, Charlie. There's a ton of redundancy between these shortcuts. It's not like you're memorizing yeah. a bajillion of them. A lot of them are just recycled through apps, and they do maybe slightly different things. Um, and then again, same thing for Mac. Again, all of the same stuff applies in terms of shortcuts like operating system. Um, the only difference is maybe what key you're clicking: Command versus Control. Yeah, and I think so. There's three shortcuts that come to mind that for any Windows computer user, if you're using it for work, home, or laptop, whatever, that I think are crucial to learn. And if you don't use any keyboard shortcuts, you might not know this. So I think the first one for me would be Alt Tab. So if you hit, if you hold down Alt and then you start hitting Tab, you hit Tab once, you'll get this little window that comes up and it shows every single program or window that's currently active on your computer. And while you hold Alt the entire time you're doing this and you just continue to tap the tab button and whichever highlighted window that you land on will then open up for you. So if you try this out and you get a little bit comfortable with it, you could switch between so programs smooth. so quickly. Uh, you'll, you'll feel like a rocket scientist if you haven't done it before and you're just switching through things and your multitasking becomes that much easier. So to me, I feel like that's like the number one, like getting started with keyboard shortcuts. However, uh, the other, the next one I'll say is almost like when you just, maybe you need to leave for a second, you need to go to the restroom, maybe you have a meeting that's starting in person somewhere, whatever it may be. But you know, you're like, oh, I got to put my computer to sleep. You go to the start menu, sleep or whatever, you lock it. There's actually a button. All you have to do is hold the Windows key and hit L. L stands for lock and it locks your computer. So a lot of times this is something that you may want to do just, you know, as, as you're leaving for the day, whatever it may be. But I remember once I learned that, which was, you know, maybe like five years ago or something like, damn, like I had no idea like this was a shortcut. It, like it makes things so much easier, especially in an office environment. And, you know, you definitely want to lock up that computer sometimes. And then the last one, um, which I actually found about very recently, Novice, do you know about this? So if you hit, um, and let me refresh myself very quickly here. Okay, so if you hit the Windows key and then any number from one to nine, do you know what happens? Oh, I love that. Yeah, so it's going to um, open whatever app you have in your taskbar in that order. So for me, number one is Chrome. So if I click Windows one, yeah. Chrome opens up. Yeah, so that is awesome. So if anyone is in a taskbar, all the icons at the bottom, you know, people pin whatever applications they use the most. So it's going to go in order from one to nine on the numbers there. So you hold down the Windows key. If Chrome is your first icon there at the bottom, one will open up Chrome. If number two is Outlook, Windows and two will open up Outlook. If you already have those windows open, it'll just switch over to it already. So that one is clutch. And especially if you have it kind of memorized eventually, like you'll be switching through things, no problem, starting programs very quickly. I, and I didn't know about that until like really recently in office. Like, so that, that's like kind of new to me. The one that's new to me, I actually brought this up to you recently. So it's very similar to the alt tab shortcut Charlie just talked about um, where it's like an app switcher. Um, this one is for the people who feel like they have got a lot of stuff open and they get lost with it. If you click Windows tab, it's similar to the app switcher, but it's a little bit slower. It's not like where you're alt tabbing. It really just kind of zooms out and shows you all the apps that you have open. But what I really like about it is it also shows you a history of all the files you've opened. 
um, which which could be bad for some people. If uh, someone's trying to snoop in their computer and see, you know, maybe something that they're trying to hide, who knows? But um, typically, if you're like, oh, man, where did I save that file? You can click Windows tab and you'll be able to find stuff that you just recently opened in like relative chronological order. Obviously, you know, I didn't really know how to get there, but I've seen that on my computer a few times. So I'm really just learning that again for the first time. <laughs> so uh, I just did that. You're absolutely right. Definitely a really cool one. So alt tab, I think, is for quickly switching through things. Windows tab is a much more robust look at what you've had open, takes up the whole screen and files you've had open. That's really cool. I'm going to start using that. I'm glad we brought this up as a topic. I learned a couple things here. Oh, yeah, let's go. Yeah, but I already knew how to rename files by myself. Yeah, I'm I'm sure you did. Sure, I know. I taught you have to, and I know it. But you know what? Do you wish sometimes that there was a shortcut to love in Office? Oh, you already know it, baby. Well, Bumble may be a shortcut to love for some, but you know what they're actually doing? And I know was that a better wow, transition loaded, than John Matthews? That was, that was a loaded question. I thought there was more yeah. to it. No, there's not. But was it a better transition into John McAfee ones or no? Um, I, I think this one was a little bit better, but we're going to have to pull the audience. Yeah, we're, we ain't pulling anybody. I think it was better. But Bumble, I, I thought this was interesting. And, and there's a lot of trends where like the diversifying your product offering as an app or a service, they're opening up a cafe in New York next month. Uh, this cafe will be open 24-7 apparently, all day long. This cafe is essentially going to seat up to 80 people. There's going to be cocktails. There's going to be breakfast, lunch, dinner. At first, they were going to open it up, and it was only going to be for dates or for networking events. Now it seems like anyone can go there. I don't really know why they're doing this. But you know what? I think it is going to go well for them. I mean, people love – I mean, dating apps have blown up, especially over COVID. People are going to go there. But I don't know. I just saw that. I thought that was interesting. I don't know why they're doing that. But good for them. You know, um, when I, so I, I don't know anything really about this aside from what Charlie just said. I saw it as a, a headline in our agenda of things we may talk about. And when I immediately saw it, I was like, you know, that sounds like a good idea. But also, for whatever reason, I feel like some crazy person's going to show up at like one of these sites and something's going to go horribly wrong. But that's just me. So you know what? They, they also, I think one of the main things that they were saying at first, what they're going to do here is make it so it's like the perfect date spot, right? Like really geared towards Bumble dates. So all of the food on the menu is date friendly, right? So there won't be like messy burgers or nachos or like, you know, things that, I I don't know, what else wouldn't be date friendly? Things with red sauce, perhaps garlic. I definitely avoid trying to eat messy foods on a first date with my beard. It's like not a move to eat a burger. yeah. Yeah, having the beard and beard and a burger. I mean, anything that's messy at all, it really could be a bad look. And then also, too, if it's like a first date or something, are they going to be comfortable telling you, like, you know, you have food in your beard, you have food on your like, like messy food, like not a good move. So, what what do you think they're going to serve there? Just like what, like, like what's not that messy that's safe and still like good to eat? Chicken tenders. Chicken tenders. It's going to be a menu of chicken tenders, both vegan and regular. Chicken tenders and fries. No sauce, though. No sauce. No sauce options. You just got to eat the tenders as they come. You know what? They're blowing up right now, so why not just make a cafe for the hell of it? Who cares? I think it's interesting. Let's go. Go Bumble. Yeah. Let's also go on to the next topic, which is a follow-up. Whoa. Another smooth transition. 
a follow-up from our last episode. So you may remember the anonymous caller who is really an anonymous voice memo or he didn't really call us, but regardless, uh, Nafis played another message he liked uh, from the anonymous caller earlier. But on our last episode, he was the one that asked about VPNs and how they work. He was thinking of getting one. He gave us feedback, unfortunately not through another voice memo or else I would have played it right now. But he said that, you know, he, he appreciated the information about the VPNs, but it didn't really answer his question. He really wanted to know about getting a VPN for online gambling purchases and that we didn't really explain that. Uh, so my feedback to the anonymous caller here would be, it may help if you actually tell us what you're looking for uh, with a topic request, because he never mentioned this at all. He just said, we, we heard the voice memo on the episode, he said nothing about online gambling. He's like, yeah, guys, like that was great. But like, you know, like, you know, I, you didn't really answer. Like I wanted to know about online gambling. But you know what? Despite that, we're going to explain it anyway. So the reason why you may be looking for a VPN for online gambling, if you're not, uh, you know, if you're not into this, I'm really not into online gambling myself. It's really more for sports betting, I think, in general, I mean, right? Don't you invest in cryptos? Yeah, I guess that's gambling in its own way. Uh, good thing Gary's not on. We'd have a whole tangent. Got him. But, got him, yeah, but... When it comes to uh, VPNs and sports betting or online gambling in this case, certain states have legalized it and it's, it's happening more and more. So what a VPN would be able to do for you, and if you didn't listen to the episode, a very broad you know, description of what a VPN is, it's a program or software that masks your computer and makes it look like you're at a different location. So a lot of times this is for security reasons to remain anonymous online, but in this case, what the anonymous caller was getting at is, could I use a VPN to make it look like I'm in one of the states that has legalized sports betting, sign up for the website, and then bet on these games? And the short answer is yes, you can do that. It is definitely able to be done. That is what the software does. Is it illegal to do that? It is not illegal, it seems, to do that specifically, like to actually use the VPN and access the website. However, you are going around things. And what seems like what I can tell from the research I've done uh, is the biggest concern, you know, you probably aren't going to be chased after by the authorities here. Is it illegal? Like if you do something crazy and like the authorities do come, of course, you, you shouldn't be sidestepping laws. Yes. But this seems to be one of the things that isn't really regulated heavily. But the biggest concern is the actual website finding out about this and they're going to be able to confiscate your winnings. Your proceeds, oh my gosh. Yeah, so let's say you know something happens, they find out about it, your winnings won't be able to be withdrawn from your account. So again, I don't know how often this happens, but this is just the so, only thing to keep in mind. I mean, I have a question for you, Charlie. I don't know if you know anything about this, but like, do, do you get taxed on this stuff? That is a like really good question, obviously. So, like, that's where I think it would be a problem, right? Like, if you're trying to VPN in, try to be in this state that has, like, you know, um, you know, this this website for gambling, and then you make money, then like, where are you getting taxed? Especially if your state is borrowing it and has like state tax. I don't know. That seems like where it gets convoluted. But uh, clearly, I know nothing about this stuff. You should get taxed on it, but then again, if you're doing it in a state that you know. It's not legal, like in your filing right, who are you taxes. Paying, right? Yeah, you know what? This might be one we have to follow back up on again. We probably didn't answer the anonymous callers' questions that well, but you know what? 
let's just say you can do it. Probably nothing will happen, but we are not legal advisors. We're not financial advisors. But it seems like from what I can tell online and on Reddit and stuff, using really deep research tactics, you'll probably be fine. But, you know, I don't know about that tax stuff either. We, we really need to Gary for that. Gary would know about yeah, the tax this stuff. Is, yeah, Gary would Gary, know that. Gary, Gary's the man. Yeah, he's a CPA. Gary, guy, we're right? falling Gary. apart without you. Yeah, we're, we're falling apart without Gary here. But another topic to get back to, uh, we'll do three episodes in a row with the follow-ups here. But uh, but yeah, I do have one other follow-up from previous episode there, Nopis. Uh, Whoa, hit it. So this actually has to do with the ad tracking. So in episode... Damn it was, again. You I always know. had it again with that ad tracking. I know. I mean, we'd be tracking things, you know, these ads out here. But but you know what, Nopis? That was very helpful for you to add that, by the way. Very good commentary. <laughs> but the ad tracking... That was episode one, I believe, which was actually our second recorded episode, just in case you're unsure how it works. It always starts at episode zero, then one, two, three. We're at four now, which is really the fifth one. Um, But that episode, we talked about how ad tracking really works and how Apple recently implemented their mobile limitations to tracking users there, which is actually having quite an effect on the industry uh, in terms of Facebook and Instagram effectiveness, the cost per like thousand impressions has gone up for you know targeting certain people let them track you or no uh i personally do uh but i think most users are not doing that uh on apple devices there's been some numbers that have come out lately where you know like i've I've seen it ranging depending on the app like anywhere from 25 Mm -hmm. to 50 percent are allowing apps to be tracking them which is not a lot used to be a hundred percent you know so it's amazing I definitely blocked it for Facebook. I can't remember for Instagram. Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? I'm not sure I'll if follow it's... follow up. Yeah, yeah. Follow up on that. I'm sure everyone's dying to know what you did there. But you know what was actually very concerning for advertisers was Google was going to make it so if in Google Chrome, uh, all of the third-party cookies... And cookies are essentially what... I love you know, cookies. Powers. Yes, I do. I was handing cookies. out so many cookies on the boat this weekend. You have no idea. I actually do remember that. An office found cookies oh. at the yacht party and uh, I was he went around handing out cookies. cookies. Macadamia You're welcome. Uh, the macadamia nut ones are good. That was my favorite one. There was a double chocolate chip. I don't think we had standard chocolate chip, though. There were some requests for that. There wasn't. There, wasn't. there was like yeah. an oatmeal one, I think. But I was yeah. like, nah, oatmeal is You know, beggars can't be choosers at the yacht party. No, you know, you know. I mean, you know, you know. I, mean I, I was getting my macadamia nut. It was lit. Very good. Uh, but you know what? Google is not getting now. They're not getting their update pushed. That was going to block third-party tracking cookies. So cookies are what powers that information that's stored on a user it, by tracking pixels. So we talked a little bit about this in episode one. Uh, but essentially, Google was going to to really screw things up for advertisers that weren't using the Google ad networks and make it so any other cookie would not work within Google Chrome. And Google Chrome is, you know, one of the most popular browsers in the world. It's probably that in Safari. So essentially that that was a huge deal. Uh, there was a lot going on here legally, a lot of pushback it, and not for security reasons, but because Google is essentially saying we're the only ones that can have tracking and no one else can have it on one of the most popular web browsers ever. So it was starting to become a problem. I think the UK... Or, or the EU had an investigation into it, um, into Google for banning this. So it was looking like, okay, at least in the EU, in the UK, like o- over there, this would get delayed. 
it seems like what they've actually done is just delay this entire release of blocking other advertising cookies until 2023. They were like, you know what? Let's deal with this later. Let's not do this now. People are kind of upset, you know. We'll wait till they get a little drunk and then we'll just push it on them again later or something. Our cookies are safe for now. They are safe for now. So that's that's really what's been going on there. It's good news for advertisers. A lot of people were preparing for that. Uh, but, you know, as a user, you would probably notice nothing. But it's more and more becoming like this where it's harder to track people and have ads that aren't within a platform within first party data, which means data only by that user. So, um, Charlie, I'm really glad you explained that. I actually like briefly skimmed over uh, an article like this and I, I didn't fully encapsulate it. So um, thank you for explaining. So I guess just like you, uh, I, I didn't even realize we're recapping a lot of stuff or you know, bringing up some follow-ups from the previous episode. Um, so one is actually about uh, Microsoft and Apple. Um, so in the last episode, we talked about some of the updates that are coming with Windows 11. Um, and one that Charlie spoke on was that Mike, Microsoft is opening up their app store to other developers um, and like specifically other bigger companies such as like Google that has their own app store. Um, and they've even kind of, you know, I'd say what I've read on the Internet is almost like they're, you know, kind of pointing the finger at Apple and kind of saying, you know, we're we're essentially trying to one up you. So I'm going to give you a little bit of backstory about a story that's happened with Apple. Um, they recently, I think, just finished up, I think it was last month, the end of May, um, an antitrust lawsuit against Fortnite. Um, you know, very popular game that a lot of people play. It's like a third person shooter, lots of building. Um, so long story short here is the developer of Fortnite, they went ahead and pushed an update to the App Store um, that allowed users to circumvent Apple's payment system so that way they could use their own native payment system and provide discounts to their users. And I think when this happened, this was, I think they were you know, trying to you know, poke the beast purposely um, to actually initiate this type of lawsuit. Um, essentially, once they did that, Apple removed them from the Apple Store once realizing it, which then initiated this lawsuit. And ultimately, it was all about, you know, Epic Games, the owner of Fortnite, um, trying to tell people that Apple had a monopoly over the App Store and this distribution of apps because they are collecting 30% from all the app developers whenever they have in-app payments. Um, now, honestly, 30% is a lot. Um, but to a certain degree, I feel like it is justified because, you know, they've created a distribution network and, um, you know, essentially have security for their devices. But Charlie, what do you think on that? So I, I think it was a, a pretty hefty percentage there. So I could see why there was a lot of pushback to it. Uh, but I do see that there's a lot of movement where competitors are kind of pushing Apple kind of into a corner and making it so they need to make some changes to make it better for the developers, right? Yeah. So, so to pull it back to the original topic here, what Microsoft is doing is they've also released some news where they are taking little to no commission from app developers that are releasing apps on their store. Um, so that's, you know, that's a big thing. You know, they're essentially trying to say that they're not Apple and they're trying to make things a little bit more, I guess, democratic, a little bit more open. Um, maybe not the right terms to use there, but... Sounds good to me. Seems like a definitely a pointed jab. Democratic, at not Republican. 
Sorry, not to get political. Uh, very, uh, very good. I uh, um, <laughs> sorry if I ruined that, but yeah, that <laughs> yeah. So pretty much, yeah, Microsoft is making it free for for app developers, right? I wouldn't say free. I think there might be some commission charges, but overall, they're making it open. You know, I think they also even pointed out and were saying that you know you could allow FaceTime into the app store, so like you know Windows users can use it, and I think that was kind of a jab where. Um, when we mentioned about the WWDC updates about FaceTime, um, FaceTime is going to allow you to send links to Android and Windows users to be able to kind of join in on calls, but you're not going to have access to the app. Uh, but Windows is kind of opening the doors and saying, hey, everyone kind of join the party. Uh, we might as well, you know, share the users and the apps. A little while ago, I mentioned Apple and I said it, you know, I feel like it's, it's justifiable for, you know, having this distribution network and, you know, building it and making sure that it works. But at the same time, I can qualify and say it does make it, you know, I think the end users like ourselves who are downloading these apps end up kind of getting the shit end of the stick here. Because I'm thinking about, you know, there's apps that I used to like to download. So there's one that was like a journaling app called Day One. And when it first was released, you know, you could buy the app for like a lump sum fee of like 30, 40 bucks or something. Or sometimes they have like ridiculous discounts on certain days. But I think for them to actually make money, they had to then, you know, transfer to more of a like a uh, what what is the word like a freemium model? No, that's not yeah. it. It's like a it's kind of it's more of like a monthly payment subscription. Is really what it is. I, I'm oh, trying okay. to figure out a better word for that, but yeah. um, a monthly payment subscription, which then turns me off significantly. It's kind of like okay, well, paying something upfront once, I'm more open to, but I don't want to feel like I have a dozen you know things that are charging me in the background. And, you know, it might be because they really needed to make more money. Maybe they just weren't making enough money, you know, the previous ways. Who knows? Maybe it's because Apple was collecting too much and and made it not profitable for them. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, it's something that's interesting there that, that you said. And I feel like people actually swing the other direction on this sometimes is the comfortability with buying an app up front versus subscription model. And I feel like mm, there's a lot of people there that will you know, they'll go and they'll buy a coffee for $5 somewhere, but they would never spend $5 on an app. Like they're looking for the free app and they will never, ever get a paid app, but they get a free app and then they like the free app. But in order to continue using the app, you know, they need to buy a premium version or a membership. Like maybe it's something like Bumble or Hinge where you're on there and you're like, oh no, I ran out of likes or profile things and I need to continue using it. You wouldn't know anything about that, would you, Nafis? Uh, no. You're not a premium Hinge user? I am, I am. I'm lying. I knew it. Sorry for blasting you there. But you know what? This actually is a perfect segue into our final topic today, Nafis. <laughs> and I, you know, I know I've had some really good segues today, guys, but like this one is the perfect one. Okay, let's go. All right, so apps, they hook people in with free features. People love them. The user base blows up. If it's free, it's for me. If it's free, it's for me. It's for everyone. And Venmo was probably one of the biggest culprits of this. People love Venmo. They're like, wow, I can send money for free to people. And I can just send it from my bank. I wait a couple days to get it. They built a huge ass infrastructure uh, eventually PayPal bought them. I don't know if you know that. So PayPal owns Venmo. So two of the biggest like money sending services in the world are really just one. But Venmo, and you might have saw this in your email, 
or you might have saw two things recently from Venmo. One is a very interesting email from them with some pretty big changes to the platform. The other is an extremely annoying social media campaign where everyone was sharing this dumb video on Instagram or Facebook or whatever about the the Venmo changes. Oh yeah, like trying to make 500 bucks. Yeah, to win 500 bucks. You know, apparently there was $100,000 available and you could get 500 bucks if you shared it. You know, it, it was a, it was a good promotion. I saw it everywhere. Like people that never share things are sharing this Venmo video and I'm like, "Why are there Venmo videos here?" Then I see my email But essentially the changes to Venmo here and what's going on, right? So Venmo, for the amount of users they have, the percentage of revenue that they've had is not that astounding. Like it's still a lot of revenue, but their user base really could be monetized more. And a lot of people on Venmo, what they're doing uh, is they have a business. So maybe in a lot of times you see this with more service businesses or or like, I'm not sure what the right word is, but things such as like maybe cleaning. Or, or maybe like people getting nails done or things of that nature, things that like are a handyman coming, whatever, or something like that, right? So a lot of these services, people are using Venmo because there's no fees. They can just say Venmo, not that I know what they're doing for tax purposes or anything. You know, I'm not, I have no idea what that is, but Venmo is pretty big for that. So what they're doing now is they're making it. So there will be fees if you're doing anything that's for goods or services, and they're going to have better ways to detect if that's what's going on as well and verify that. So if you are someone that is selling a good or service and you're using Venmo, uh, I think effective July 20th, you will have a seller transaction fee that's applied of $0.10 cents and then 1.9% of whatever that transaction was. Yeah, 1.9 is a lot. Yeah, that's actually a lot. Yeah, that will add Damn. up quickly. Uh, so there's a couple things here. So one would be you're going to lose people that are using this and they're actually doing it legitimately for goods or services or they get caught doing it and they're going to look for a different platform to do it. I don't know if Cash App is doing something similar. I don't use Cash App. I feel like Cash App's a little sketchier. Do you agree? Like, I, I don't know why I've always had that perception of Cash App. You know, I, I, I agree. For whatever reason, it just feels like the, uh, for lack of a better term, the ghetto Venmo um but i have it yeah i said it yeah i said it come at me (laughs) um cash app eaters lining up outside your house (laughs) oh no not my mother's home (laughs) oh now you're revealing that Uh, you love revealing things about where you live on the podcast, dude. I mean, there, there's been several episodes already where you're just getting a little bit more and more detailed about your your personal to find love. Yeah, or you want love to have to someone find me on Strava, you know? I uh, yeah, I have I have some bad experience there, but anyways. So what you're yeah, so Cash App, I feel like it's a little scared. Maybe more people will start using Cash App for this type of stuff. I don't know, but this is going to be something that affects a lot of vendors, a lot of providers of services and goods on there, right? So the other thing that they're doing as well, and if if you've used Venmo, you know that, okay, when you're sending money to another user on Venmo, it's free. And it's also free to send it to your bank account, like once you get the money, right? Or put money into Venmo. That part is not changing, where you will not be charged sending money to one another. Like, you know, when it's brunch and you're you're with your friends, you know, Rebecca and Stacy and like whatever. Well, yeah, Rebecca. You're not going to get charged for sending them anything. Like nothing's changing there. But if you want an instant transfer, 
uh, it's still going to be like a, a charge there. It's going to be 1.5% of whatever that transfer is. Well, if you, you want like, instant- So like the instant deposit to your bank account? Yeah. So I, th- I forgot yeah, what it was before, lot. but it wasn't 1.5%. So yeah, that is a huge thing a there. And then the last thing that is going to be a, a pretty big change for the users is uh, the privacy there. So one of the things that I think people like and hate about Venmo is the social element to it, right? By default, like you could see like all your contacts on your phone in there. You see like who they're sending to, like you see people sharing rent, you see people sending money for random things, you know, writing dumb comments to one another. Novice and I have definitely never done that. Never wrote dumb comments to one another. Jokes that mean nothing to anyone else. Jokes about other people. We've never done that. They're making it a little bit different where... It, it'll be easier to have your privacy settings be more transparent to users. I think a lot of people don't realize that it's out in the world just publicly by default. So there's going to be like a public, a friends, and a private setting for your friends list. You can opt out of just being seen on the friends list of other Venmo users at all. Because right now, oh, if you just nice. have a contact, like you'll see them there. That's a great change. That's something that should have been there from the beginning, especially when you're talking about something that's you know very sensitive, such as sending money for certain things. You'd want to have control over it. But you know what? At the same time, there's something funny just about like looking through there and be like, why the hell did XYZ person send money to this person? Or like, what's going on here? Or they have that global tab too, where you just see random Venmo like transactions from people all over the world, which makes no sense at all. Like, why would you ever need to go through that and like like and comment on random stuff? But I'm sure that's something you would do in office. Oh, uh, the whole time you've been talking right now, I've been liking and commenting on Venmo posts. At least like 15 of them so far. It, it, he really is doing it. I'm, I'm watching him on his phone and he's absolutely doing this as we speak. And I thought he was just zoning out and thinking about the past and ignoring me, but he's certainly actually doing that. So, on so very topic, good. On task. So you're not excited for this change. You want it all public, baby. Um, no, I, I honestly, like at this point, like, I, I think the, the public nature of it was really cool when like Venmo, like first came out. I remember like being like visiting my friend at college for his 21st birthday. We were having some hungover brunch and someone was just like, yo, Venmo me. And I was like, what is that verb you just used? And then after that, I think just like the social element yeah. of it made it explode a lot faster and made it funny. And there was a point where they used to show you, um, how much you were sending to people. Really? Um, yeah, that used to be open like in the original wow. version of Venmo. Yeah, so you would see people sending money back and forth. So like if it was like rent, you would say something extra funny because it's like a, a large sum. So whatever you could say in that regard. Wow. But yeah, they definitely tightened it up, obviously, as you went along. But, you know, now at this point, like I don't want all my payments being shown to everyone. It makes sense. I'll probably make use of these privacy settings. Very good, Nafis. Cool. Well, without further ado, um, what I realized is we really didn't introduce ourselves as far as the podcast uh, in the intro. So if you weren't sure, you're listening to Not To Be Technical. This is episode four, and you're listening to Charlie and Nafis without Gary. And we got to say again, we really appreciate all the love and support we've been getting about the podcast. Uh, again, if you're trying to, you know, help us out here, um, you know, give us a follow on Instagram, follow us on Spotify, give us a rating on Apple Podcasts, 
And definitely feel free to reach out to Charlie, myself, Gary, uh, and let us know any funny topics or anything you just want us to discuss that you think is interesting, definitely tech related. And we'd love to feature that topic on the podcast. And if you are going to provide a topic, we'd love it in voice memo fashion. Without further ado, we'll catch you on the next episode.